we are um, in the midst of our uh, Ten Commandments series, and what we've been looking at so far is is that the Ten Commandments are are, are just not a list of things that we try to obey to try to get a passing grade so that we can get to heaven. If I get seven out of 10 correctly, then I'll make it into heaven. We've come to understand that the 10 commandments are not here to be burdensome for you and I. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts and uh, thus to make us feel like a bunch of, of failures. Uh, we've, we've come to understand that the 10 commandments are basically a summary of all 613 commands that, that God gave his children. And these 10 are just a summary. We, we understand that the 10 commandments are all about our relationship with God, that vertical relationship with God, and horizontally our relationships with uh, one another. What I, I, what I want to do is before we dig into this next uh, commandment, I want to boil everything down for us because many of us are faced with different life issues and different struggles in our lives. And basically, I believe that you can boil everything down. Every life issue, I believe, can be boiled down to basically uh, two things. We, we all understand that there are symptoms that occur in our lives. There are things that happen in our lives. We, but we all know that there's usually something deeper going on. When you, when you have a fever, it's not just the fever. Something deeper is going on. You have a virus or an infection. A fever is just the symptom of something deeper going on in your body. The issues and the problems in our lives are not as, as simple as, as I have a, a money problem. If I, if I had more money, it would all go away. Not necessarily. We, we, we understand that. Maybe it's, it's an issue that I don't know how to handle my money. The biggest issue in your life is not your marriage. It's not your job issue. It's, it's not necessarily relationship issues, though we try to fix these things on our own, and many times we fail miserably. If my boss was nicer, if my spouse was better, if I had a better job, if I had a nicer house, if, 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 if. But I believe you can boil all life's issues down to basically two things. Yes, just two things. And if we get these things right, it will radically change our lives. I know some of you think, Pastor, you're crazy. What are you smoking this morning? Just two things, really? I've got a plethora of things going on in my life, and it's more than just two things. But if we get these two things in order, it will dramatically change all the other things that are in our lives. So listen, here's, here's, our, here's, here's the problem. Many of you are trying to fight your life's problems with a garden hose. Now, what, what do I mean by that? If, if my house was on fire, how many know that a garden hose is not going to put out a blazing inferno in my house? Many of us are trying to fight life's problems with a garden hose. If my house is on fire, I want a fire truck to come with a huge hose that's going to blast millions of gallons of water on my house. Can I get an amen? I, I, I want to know that the firemen and, and the fire people and the people that are coming to, to, to put out my house know what they're doing, that they know how to use the equipment, Right? Because the faster you respond, the more you do it, the, the less problems there are. For many of us, we're trying to solve our huge issues in our lives with a garden hose, and it's just not working for you. So here's the answer. Our two biggest issues in life boil down to these two things. And, and God understands this about us, and that's why the Ten Commandments are so relevant for today. Our two biggest issues is our relationship with God, because that's broken, 
And unless we find Christ, it's the only way we can fix it. So it's our relationship with God and it's our relationship with one another. That's it. That's the two biggest problems in your life. If these things are not healthy, it will affect every other area of your living. That's why Jesus boils down all 613 commandments to two. When he says this in Matthew 27, 37 and 39, and he says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus boiled it all down to two things. Your relationship with God has to be in right order. And thus, if that's in right order, your relationship with one another is going to be in that same right order. That's why the, the Ten Commandments are broken down to the first four are our relationship with God, how do we respond to God. The last six are how do we respond to one another? How do we get along with each other? God knew that these were the two greatest important issues in our lives. The proclivity of my heart is to take care of me. Selfishness creeps in. It breaks down our relationships with God and others. That's why the commandments are so relevant for today. Now, what we're going to deal with is this, is this fifth commandment that God gives us on, on our relationship with those in authority over us. Specifically, this fifth one deals with our parents. Now, when we talk about honoring our parents, uh, this commandment can conjure up all sorts of things depending on how you were raised or the example that was given before you. And what I desire to do today is not try to explain all the dysfunctional families in our world today, because every single one of you here today, every single one of your families, they're all dysfunctional in some way. Can I get an amen? Some are a little more dysfunctional than others, right? So and there's no perfect family out there. I don't care if you're raising a Christian family or not. There's some, I, I've been pastored long enough to take my head out of the sand to realize that even Christian families out on the outside look so nice and tidy and all came to church, blah, blah, blah. When you get underneath the surface many times, there are things that are dysfunctional even in those families. So don't let people fool you all the time that you look at a family and say, oh, isn't that such a wonderful family? Everything's great in their lives. Not necessarily so. Everybody has some dysfunction. So, so my, my desire today is not to explain all the dysfunction in our world today. I know some of you are, are witnessed to and were part of some very horrible things and maybe some abuse in your family. But this was not part of God's original design. God's plan was that the family, the father and mother, were to be the authority in the children's lives and to be an example to them. So this message is for everybody today. Some of you say, well, I'm older and this isn't going to relate to me. It will. I'm going to touch on every angle here of what it means to honor and to be an example. And I believe, listen, listen, this is where we're going wrong in our society today. I mean, we, we're, we're just, we're, we're missing the mark. We're throwing money where it shouldn't be thrown. We believe, well, if we just get more education, if we teach more on this, the problem is the breakdown of the family. That's it. Can I get an amen, church? It's, it's the breakdown of the family. It's the authority that's placed over our lives. There's a breakdown. There's, there's a misconnect in our world today. And we're wondering why, is, is, why we have so many problems. Why is there abuse of authority? Why, 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 why do people not respect those in authority? It starts with the family. God understood this in the fifth commandment by saying, honor your mother and father. So 
so why is this commandment given and why is this commandment come before all the others when we talk about our relationships to one another? Let's read it together. It's in Exodus. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Exodus chapter 20. Old Testament. You can find that right at the beginning of your Bibles. Exodus 20. We're just going to look at verse 12 today. And, and let's see what it says here. It says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, there, there is so much depth within this verse that I want to just pull out. It's interesting. I, I was doing some research just on parenting, uh, parenting today, and what are the things that are, are, are valued today in parenting? And what are some things that were valued like 40 years ago? And what was interesting in my research is that research that was done on parenting and what they valued 40 years ago compared to today is very interesting. Today, the priority uh, and the example that we're trying to give our children today seems to be teaching our children to be independent, now, what's interesting, 40 years ago, the priority of teaching our children, the priority was moral values. Isn't that interesting? Independence today, moral values uh, 40 years ago. It's interesting to me today that I, I, I'm seeing this right before my very eyes. There seems to be a lot of emphasis, especially in our school district here in Ontario, about character development. If you drive down Ridge Road in front of the elementary schools, you'll see banners on the side of the road on the telephone poles that say tolerance, diversity, kindness, so on and so forth. Now, they have school assemblies that rally around character traits and reward students for outstanding character traits within their class. Now, this isn't necessarily of bad things. My kids have received these awards and good citizenship awards from time to time because I'm an awesome parent. So, you know, th it's okay. I'm kidding. My wife's okay too. Um, so listen, this is not necessarily a bad thing, but my question is this. My question is this. Why? My question is why? Why is the school doing this? Shouldn't this be happening at home? Just follow me. Don't, don't hate me. Don't judge me right now. Okay, don't. Okay, just think. Let's think this thing through a minute. When I was in school, we didn't have character training. We may have had a good citizenship award, one award. See, why? For the most part, parents we're instilling this into their children because it was important. And is, is maybe one of the reasons the school has taken on this as a priority is for the simple reason that it's not a priority anymore in the homes. Let me just convince you this way if you're not with me here this morning. If you work in a school or you've worked in church, or you've talked to a police officer or a bus driver, see what they say about respect. I'm just saying. Something to think about. See what they say about respect for authority. It's a problem. And the problem is, is we're attacking the children, right? 
we're not attacking the children. That, that's probably a wrong word there. We're, we're emphasizing this to our children in the school when we should be bringing the parents in for an assembly. Can I get an amen? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. That's where it needs to start. It needs to start. No, because telling the children that's not going to change. Because if, the, if it's not reiterated to the children at home, it's going to fall on deaf ears. So, let me give you a quote here from John Ruskin. He says, The history of our world is not a record of our wars, but a record of our households. Because that's what it boils down to. You see, what happens in the home is the most vital thing. And that's what God was emphasizing in this commandment. It's about the home. What, what is God saying in this commandment? Well, he's saying that we must honor. He, he didn't say love. He didn't say like your parents. He didn't say love your parents. What did he say? He said honor your father and mother. Honor them. In order to understand this command, we need to understand the word honor because we've lost the meaning of honor and the meaning of this word over the years. Actually, the word in the Hebrew here, the original language that the Old Testament was written in, the word in the Hebrew literally means to be heavy. It, 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 honor means to literally give weight to someone. In, in the Hebrew mindset, it would mean to give power and respect to someone. In other words, it means to treat our parents with the gravity that their position deserves. See, what we're doing is we're honoring their position as I would honor the position of the presidency over my life or honor the position of a, of a teacher or a pastor or an officer or anyone else that's in authority. You honor that position. You see, the opposite word for honor in the Hebrew is the word kalel. And the word is always translated to mean, it's just the opposite of honor. It means to curse or literally make light of that position. It means to treat the position with no respect or to honor that position lightly, not to take it seriously. God said, listen, I'm not telling you to love your parents or like your parents. I'm telling you to honor them and to give weight to that position that is over you because ultimately when you're honoring that position over you you are honoring me and if that doesn't happen there will be chaos there will be disorder there'll be disorder within the land that I'm going to give you it starts in the home God says that first command you're, you're to honor me and have no other gods before me and then he, he, he makes the funnel smaller and smaller and smaller. Now he's getting into the home group. He's getting to where it really matters. And God's saying that respect and that honor has to start in your homes. So we've lost that meaning of honor. Children speak back to their parents because we've not taught them correctly the meaning of what? Honor. In, in Asian cultures, there's honor and respect for the elderly. They are treated with honor, not as a burden. True story. I had the honor of marrying a couple that were in their early 30s. The background of the woman was Ukrainian, and the background of the gentleman, he was Bosnian. And I brought them together, and they, they heard about me through some friends. They live way out in North Greece, but they came here, and they said, uh, would you marry us? I said, sure. I always had them fill out 
you know, just a, a form, and, and, and we want them to fill out a questionnaire form before we do it, and uh, uh, application, marriage application, and then we come together, and I have, we usually do a first meeting with them to see their background and where they are spiritually in their walk with Christ, and so I sat down with them, and they, they were open to counseling, so I said, very good, and where's your faith in the Lord, and they said, we follow Jesus, I said, great, well, let's talk about some things here, and normally when I have a couple, they're in their 30s, you know, normally we're dealing with some things here, I said, if you guys want to honor God, you know, God stresses very importantly that we keep the marriage bed pure, that anything outside the marriage bed is sexual morality. If you're living together, I ask you to separate, to honor the Lord. He stopped me. He said, stop. And I said, what, am I saying something wrong? Um, are you going to argue? Because I know we're going to push back because the day and age we live in now, there's a pushback there. And he says, I just want, can I say something to you? And I, I said, I said, sure. He goes, you don't even have to talk to us about that because we would never do that because it would disgrace and dishonor our parents. Say what? <laughs> Where are you from? I've never had someone say that to me. He said, we want to honor our parents, so we do not live together. We do not sleep together. We want to honor our parents. Wow. Not only that, but this woman of Ukrainian background worked, scraped hard to pay for her house that she lives in. She gave it to her mother, and she goes, we're going to live in my husband's home and I'm going to give my house to my mom to live in. Where are you from? I, you guys are from Mars because that is such a foreign concept. They honored their parents. There's such a, a, an honor code in many of those European countries that we miss today in America. Honor. They're, 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 they understood. See, I want you to understand something here. God's not trying to be a killjoy here. God's trying to bless you. And he's saying, if you want to live long <laughs> in the land that I'm about to give to you, then understand what honor means. You see, the Bible is very descriptive when it talks about this leaving and cleaving, cleaving or uniting with your wife. The Bible tells us, even in Genesis, that, that, that the, the man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall literally become one flesh. And, and what the picture there is, you're leaving the covering of your parents to come under the covering of your husband or wife. The wife comes under the covering of the husband now. And what we've done is we, sh we have short-circuited that whole relationship because really not only is it honoring God, but you're honoring your parents when you do that. Okay, now, now follow me here. I told you this illustration before, but I love it. Missionary told me about a story of a pastor in Costa Rica who's marrying his daughter, and what he did was when he brought her down the aisle, he had an umbrella over his head. You're thinking, it's not raining out. Why do you have an umbrella? Brought the umbrella, held it over himself and his daughter, and when he got to the front of the church, and he was doing the ceremony too, he handed the umbrella over to the new husband and said, you are now her covering." And as a spiritual sign, he handed the umbrella over to him to say, now she is under your covering. That's how you honor your parents.
There was an honor there that said, you leave and now you are united. There's a, there, this is how you glorify God. This is how you honor. Now, there's some of you are saying, well, pastor, that, 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 you know, that ship has sailed for me, pastor. Okay, that's water went under the bridge. Listen, you know you can still repent and say, God, I'm sorry for not doing it the right way. And, and I want to do it the right way. And, and forgive us as a couple that maybe we've lived together or maybe we slept together before we got married. Forgive us, God, that we can now repent of it and there's forgiveness. Do you realize there's forgiveness? And that now you can set the example before your own children. It says, you know what? We didn't honor God in this way. We didn't honor our parents in this way. And we want God's forgiveness and God can forgive and heal. And now you can set that example in your own family. Can I get an Amen. So there's redemption with the Lord. There's forgiveness. There's grace. There, some of you here, you just weren't taught that way and, and you, you were set a bad example from your own parents. But that doesn't mean you cannot break the chain. That does not mean that you cannot find forgiveness today and healing today in your relationships. This is what God is, is talking about. Now, when he talks about honor, this doesn't mean it's blind obedience or abuse or allowing someone to hurt you. We, 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 we need to learn to honor those in authority. It starts in the home, which is why this commandment is so imperative. Now, now, now let's get this right. For, for those of you who think this message is not for you, I want you to think again because I, I want to speak to young people as well as I want to speak to every adult in this room. So, so the question is, how do we honor? How, how do we obey this commandment and truly show honor? So let's, let's look at, first of all, parents of children who are living with you under your roof. You've got children that are living in your home with you. So how do we do this? First, I, I would say to you, parents, model honor before your children. So, so what do I mean by this? You as a parent respect those in authority. If, if you hear your daughter or your son bad-mouthing a teacher, an officer, a pastor, guess what they will do? They will do the same. If they overhear you talking to your spouse in the corner of the kitchen about, well, I don't like what Pastor Mike does. I don't like what Pastor Barden does. I don't like what Pastor Jim does. I don't like what the, I don't like what the leadership does. I don't like what that teacher does. I don't like that that officer is off his rocker. Guess what? indirectly you're undermining the authority that God has placed over you. And what begins to, follow me here, what begins to happen is that child in your home hears that, getting real quiet in here, they see that and what you've done is you've modeled wrong behavior of honoring those in authority. Even if you don't like what they do, it's between you and God and work it out with the Lord and Work it out with that person that you're disgruntled with. Do it biblically. But the minute you model that in front of your child, guess what? They don't know how to decipher that. So what they do is they come and they dishonor that teacher or they dishonor that uh, uh, public figure over them because they've seen it modeled in their parents. So if you, if you do not agree with a teacher or a pastor, anyone in authority, let's be careful. Let's be careful here of what we're modeling before your child because your child will pick up on that disrespect. Watch and guard this closely because I've seen it over and over and over again. 
So just guard your heart there with your children. You talk about with your spouse. You work it out biblically. You talk to that person, authority over that teacher or whatever. And I know with my kids, sometimes they didn't like the teacher that they were under them. And I got to admit, I didn't like the teacher either. All right? Wasn't my cup of tea, right? But you know what? I had to tell my kids, you're not always going to get the best teacher. You're not always going to get along. Guess what? Get over it. Life isn't fair. Can I get an amen? So get over it. Move on. But respect, you may not agree, but respect the position over you. And we will not put up with disrespecting someone that's in authority over you. Whether it's a Sunday school teacher, children's church worker, teacher at your school, whatever it may be, we will not put up with disrespect because you are to honor the position. So watch and guard that closely. Fathers, don't ever, ever let your children or child talk back to your wife. And here's what I say with my kids. I know she's your mom. I know she's your mom. And you think, well, she's just mom. She doesn't have feelings, right? Mothers don't have feelings, right? Right? So the way I lay the law down in my house is, listen, you're talking to my wife. And you don't talk to my wife that way. You've got to set the tone there of honor and respect. No matter how, whether you disagree or not, it's a matter of honor. And we don't disrespect that position with the way we talk. So, so let's be clear here. Let, let, so, let's, so parents, model it before your children. This instills that honor within your child. Okay, so now let me speak to uh, older children or or young adults, because the Bible's very clear, okay? Teenagers, young kids who are in the room today, okay, the Bible's very clear. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ephesians tell us. So if you live under their roof, they have the authority to set the rules, and if you don't like it, that's too bad. Now, you know, I can remember even coming back from college. Here I am, 21 years old, come back from college, lived on my own in Florida, for part of the year. Then I came back home and now I'm under my parents' roof. Guess what? Whose authority am I under? My parents' authority. I, I don't come and go. I, I, gotta, I had to tell them, hey, where are you going? Are you going to be back for dinner? I didn't say, hey, I'm 21 years old. Guess what? Guess what, Sonny? You're living under my roof, right? So, so let's be careful. It's the honor and respect. You're under that roof. So let me remind you, young person, you will always be under some type of authority, whether it's a teacher, professor, or boss. Your life will go a long way if you learn to honor those in authority over you. So, so do it now. I, I, I try to teach this with my own kids. It starts with the parents. And, but, but children, you know, boys, if boys, listen, boys that you guys that live with your parents, you know, open the door for your mom. Mom, what can I do to help you? Let me just say this to all of you. Your mama ain't your friend. She's your mother. She brought you into this world, and she can take you out, okay? It's the only one that can do that, okay? So here's the thing. Respect your parents in spite of their weaknesses. Not every parent is perfect. In fact, no parent is perfect. Not every teacher, pastor, or boss, or anyone else in authority is perfect. You're, you're not always going to see eye to eye with your, parent, with your parents, but that never gives us justification to dishonor them. Forgiveness is the key here. 
Maybe you didn't have the greatest upbringing and you, and you saw a lot of abuse in your family or just a lot of dysfunctional things and things that just weren't right in your family. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness is the key here. Proverbs 20, 20 says, if a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. The meaning is you will live a difficult life searching for answers. And, and let me just throw this out. Maybe some of you here today, the reason why maybe your life is difficult right now and you don't know why, maybe there's some bitterness and unforgiveness for your own parents in your heart that you've not dealt with. Deal with it. Maybe they're alive today and you can, and you can ask, forgive them. Maybe they're not, and you, you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness for harboring this bitterness within your own heart. So, adults, how do you honor your parents? Well, let me give you some things here that might help. Adults that are out of the house and, you know, you're not living under that roof, how do you honor your parents? Well, let me give you some, some things that might help. I know we live in a very mobile society. There was a day when, when many people lived next door to their parents, there was actually a day, in fact, my mom lived next door to her grandparents. And, and there was a day that you lived in the same neighborhood or you lived next door and, and my great parents lived next door to my grandparents. I loved that as a kid because I would go to my grandmother's house and eat. And then I'd go over to Grandma Luella's house and eat again. Because she'd ask me, Barton, do you get anything to eat? No, because Grandma Junie never feeds me over there. So can you feed me over here? And um, my Grandma Luella, she used to... Uh, she would get stuff delivered to her house. She had the house where you had the, the milk door that was about this big that opened up to the outside and the milkman would come and, and deliver the milk to your door. She had one of those houses. And also she had the Charlie Chip Man delivered to her house. Does anybody remember that? I knew I'd start a revival right there. I knew it was going to happen. And remember the big cans, the Charlie Chip cans? She'd get the Charlie chips, she'd get the pretzels, she'd get the, the, the cheese puffs. I mean, so I'd love going over there because she got Charlie chips delivered to her. her. If any of you got a Charlie chip can, let me know because that just brings back memories. I, I love that. So anyways, um, so, so I'd go over there and eat. But what was cool about that is, is, is you, had a, you, had, you had grandparents living right next door to each other. I mean, and I understand now... We live in a very mobile society where, where we don't have that. But you know what you can do for those of you that, that your parents are still alive? You, know, you can call, you can email, you can write them, you can, you can get, them a, uh, get them a tablet. Buy them a tablet and teach them how to use it. I know it may take you 10 days to do it, but buy them a little tablet, a Kindle or an iPad and, and, and put Skype on it for them and teach them how to Skype because they'll probably think that's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Since Charlie chip cans, they're going to think that's great. And, and Skype with them and show them the grandkids. And, and, and so we can, we can bridge the miles by honoring them. And I know we lose touch and I know it's, 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 we live in such a society where we can lose touch with our parents, but you honor your parents by doing that. Call them. You know, the way we treat our, our, our aging parents speaks to our relationship in Christ. So for those of you who are older and maybe your parents have died and you're in the season of your life where you're a grandparent, I've got two words for you. Enjoy it. It's a great season to be in as a grandparent. You can model before your grandchildren 
what it means to honor. You can model it before them. This is what I love about my parents because they truly support uh, the grandkids. Let me give you a side note here. Just don't mess with my kids. It's not me you have to worry about. It's not Kathleen you have to worry about. It's my mom because she will take you down. She will hurt you if you mess with her grandkids. She's like that mother bear. Ah, You know, you get near the grandkids. Don't mess with the grandkids. Listen, for you that are grandparents, what a great season in your life to show honor to your kids and your grandkids. So what you do is you go to their games, you go to their recitals, you just be there. That's what I love about my parents. They travel all over New York State following my kids to all their sporting events because they, they got nothing better to do. No, I'm just kidding. They got a lot to do. That's what they do. That's their full-time job. They uh, enjoy doing that. So listen, you know, I don't want you to be so naive as not to know and understand that there are some of you here today that have a lot of hurt because of abuse, abandonment, divorce. Let, let me say this to those of you that are hurting because of that. Let me say this. You can break the chain and start anew by modeling this before your own family. You, you can actually model this now. And, and this is the good, and this is why when we take communion today, it's such an extravagant way, an outward way of showing us that Christ renews all things. That Christ restores all things, that even through the brokenness and through the dysfunction, Christ can renew it and, re- and redeem it and use it for his glory that you can say, you know what, I wasn't modeled this. I mean, I think, I mean, listen, I, our family wasn't perfect. We had our you know, little quirks and we're dysfunctional like everybody else, but I really thank God that I had two parents that modeled it before me. I, I'm blessed by that. I never take that for granted. Some of you, 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 you didn't have that blessing upon your life. But here's the good news in Christ. Jesus makes all things new. And he redeems all the brokenness. He redeems all the hurt. He redeems all the pain. And he makes things new. And so for those of you that might be sitting here today, I would say to you, stop looking to your past Stop looking to all the things that were messed up and not good, and you look to other people saying, man, I wish I was like this. I wish I was brought up this way. I wish my father loved me. I wish my mom loved me. Whatever it is, listen, break the chain and begin to come to Christ. Allow him to heal you. Allow him to redeem you. Allow, only listen, only supernaturally with a vibrant living relationship with Christ, can he give you the supernatural power to forgive the past? Listen, what that does is it literally breaks the cord, the chain that has got you just so bounded to your past. When when you offer forgiveness in Jesus' name, what Jesus does is he breaks the chain of your past. You are no longer attached to that. That no longer has power over you. I know some of you, you're thinking, well, what gives me power is the bitterness and the unforgiveness that, because I can hold that over its head. No, what, 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 that, what the poison of that bitterness does is keeps you in your own prison. It, it's not the key that unlocks the door. The key that unlocks the door 
from your bitterness and the poison that's in your life is forgiveness, even when they don't deserve it. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus still died for us. You see, that's the key that locks the freedom that you're looking for. And some of you here today, I'm going to be honest with you, just blunt with you, not, not to hurt you, not to shame you. But the reason why some of you here today are miserable is because you've got bitterness in your heart that has not been dealt with. And, and, if, and if I were to just weave an arrow right to that hurt or that pain in your heart, it might just very well stem back to your family relationships. And we bury it in so many ways and not try to deal with it. But it's interesting when certain things happen in your life, it kind of surfaces sometimes and you're like, ooh, I didn't know that was there. Ooh, wow, I never, I forgot about those. And all of a sudden something triggers, listen, something triggers a memory, a relationship, triggers that and that pain surfaces and then you bury it again for a later time. Jesus is saying, stop burying it. Stop burying it and just let me deal with it. Give it to me. Offer forgiveness. Here are the steps that some of us need to take. Some of us need to apologize in front of our kids for not honoring those in authority over us. Some of us here today need to call your parents and just say, you know what, I've had bitterness against you because of this thing or the other thing or you didn't show up to my baseball games or you didn't come here and I've, I've, I've buried that in my heart for years and I've got bitterness towards you and I just want to tell you, I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm going to honor the position even though it's undeserving I'm going to forgive you because I need to break free of this prison that I'm in. And only Christ can do that in your heart. It's got to start with God. And when you start with God, God's the one that's going to give you the passion and the desire. Because what you're going to see now is that because God forgave you through his son, Jesus Christ, there is no offense that you cannot forgive now. There's a mind shift. There's a heart shift now from me-centered and protecting myself and using all these defense mechanisms to protect my heart from being hurt again. Now you become vulnerable just like Jesus was vulnerable hanging naked on the cross for you and I. And now what you do is you say, God, I'm vulnerable for you. Thank you for forgiving me even though I didn't deserve it. And there's no offense that I cannot forgive now because of what Christ has done for me. If he can forgive my offense... There's no offense that I cannot forgive. And what it does, that's the key that unlocks the prison door for you to set you free. And now that bitterness is healed and that relationship is made right. Some of you here today, some of you teens, children, today, you just, you need to honor your parents. Just thank them. Just thank them. And just honor them and the way you talk to them. Listen, parenting is the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. And I've made so many mistakes. I've had to apologize in front of my kids. Parents, it's okay to admit that you're wrong in front of your kids and that you made a mistake. That's okay. It humbles you before the Lord and shows your kids that, that you are vulnerable and that, that you make mistakes too, right? It's all about honor. How are we honoring the positions that God has placed over us. For many of you here today, that's going to solve a lot of issues in your life. <laughs> that's the thing that it's stemming down to. And when you're able to submit to those that are in authority, that doesn't mean you agree with everybody. That doesn't mean it, it, that's an abusive situation that you allow yourself in. I, that's not what I'm talking about here today. 
I'm talking about honor. God understood what that meant when he was dealing with the Israelites. If it didn't start in the home, he knew it would be chaos within the community. So it starts with us as parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, teachers, those in authority. It starts with us. Let's be honorable in the way we honor God in our lives. And we'll set the example before our children and others around us. Amen. So as we come to the table today, we're going to honor Christ. And we're going to honor what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. Let me say as we take communion, as we worship Jesus today, as we close the service, um, communion's open to everyone who's, who's made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a member of God's family. We'll pray with you and ask that God would just cleanse your heart today. And uh, so um, communion's open all. Don't, don't feel intimidated not to take communion. Actually, I respect people that don't take communion because that means that they're not right with God. There's something in their heart and they don't want to dishonor God by taking it. I respect that. Don't feel intimidated not to take it. Um, but we're going to pray and thank God there's forgiveness through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so nobody in this room is perfect. We've all made mistakes. We're all messy. And Christ came to deal with our messiness. So we're going to pray and have God deal with our messiness. And if God deals with your messiness, then by all means, feel free to take communion and honor Christ and how he's forgiven you in your, in your life. And we're recognizing that Jesus and Jesus alone is the only one that can forgive us of our sins. That Jesus and Jesus alone is God. That he's the only way to the Father. And that he's the only one that can cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And so that's what we do when we remember, when Jesus told us, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. This is my blood, which represents Jesus' sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of our sin. Ultimately, Jesus was dying to God to appease God's righteousness, to vindicate his holiness. Jesus was obedient to that. And you and I, because of Jesus' death, can be partakers of his forgiveness in our life. Isn't that wonderful? So it's a celebration of God's forgiveness and the covering of our transgressions. Amen? That's good. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. And as we partake of communion, we, we first ask that, Lord, you would examine our hearts. If there's anything that's wayward, if there needs to be forgiveness, Lord, if I need to forgive a parent, a teacher, someone in authority that I was in a battle with that I disrespected, Lord, let it start there. Let's be specific and say, God, forgive me for that my attitude was wrong. And Lord, I need your cleansing in my heart here before I take communion because I want to recognize that Jesus, you took my sin and my shortcomings while I never deserved it, and that's through your grace. So start with us, Lord, as you cleanse us. And we thank you. And I pray that through the cleansing power of Jesus' name, through his blood, it would just bring our church together in unity, that Christ would be exalted through our lives, and that we would be a force to be reckoned with in our community because we are now empowered through the spirit of Christ and not our own flesh. So, Lord, we ask that you would just, just inspect our hearts. And, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness now as we partake together. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood that was given for us. And symbolically, we recognize it today as we take communion. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As the ushers come forward to serve you, I'd ask you to wait to the end uh, after the song we sing. 
um, and we'll take it together as a family. Amen. God bless you as you worship the Lord. Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. And Jesus, it's your blood. Your blood. Speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. And what can wash away our sin? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can wash us pure as snow? Welcomed as the friends of God Nothing but your blood Nothing but your blood King Jesus Your cross testifies in grace Tells of the Father's heart To make a way for us now boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence, it's only by your blood. What can wash away our sin? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. Sure.
Thank you, Lord. Amen. Nothing but the blood that you hold in your hands today is a powerful symbol of what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus met with his disciples during that last meal, he issued this this mandate to them. He said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He never wanted the disciples, his disciples, to forget the great sacrifice that he would make for them in order to appease God's holiness. And I want you to understand, without the sacrifice, there could be no forgiveness of sin. You and I would still be lost in our sin, destitute and heading to hell without forgiveness and redemption. So we have a lot to be grateful for today. And so as we partake of this today as the family of God, I want you to realize there is no sin that Jesus did not die to. And so for you that are sitting here today that maybe you feel condemned or guilty because of your past, I want you to look at these symbols and say, through the blood of Christ, I am forgiven. So listen, anytime the enemy brings up your past, you look to Christ and say, I'm in Christ now. I'm a child of God. And Christ has forgiven me. And he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You are now a child of God. New standing, new perspective. The old is gone. Behold, all things become new for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I know you can't clap your hands right now, but... Do a golf clap in your heart because that was good right there, okay? We're forgiven. We're forgiven through Christ Jesus today. So Lord, as we join our hearts together, as we hold these emblems in our hands, we thank you for the forgiveness that's found in Christ today. Lord, this bread represents Jesus' body that was literally handed over to evil men who crucified him. And this was the will of the Father that his very own son would be handed over to evil men. That it would be the greatest sacrifice that has ever been or ever will be made in the face of history because God himself laid his life down. And for that, we're grateful. So we remember what you did for us, Jesus, and we say thank you in your holy name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Amen. Lord, as we hold this cup, which symbolizes a perfect sacrifice, a sacrifice that would never need to be duplicated or to recur again, a once and for all perfect sacrifice that covers our shortcomings, that covers our sin, that covers our transgressions, and for that we're grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for your death. Thank you for your obedience. And through the power of God, you were raised from the dead to be victorious over sin and death, no longer to be subject to men, but to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we serve a risen Savior today that's victorious. And we will rise up with him one day, victorious, changed to be like him, no longer affected by sin, no longer to be faced with mortality. And for that, we are hopeful and grateful because of what Christ did for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Amen. Amen. Let's partake together. Amen.
Amen. Listen, just before I release you today, let me, um, before I let you go, let me just say, I know we've got the offering in the back. Let me just share my heart real quick and I'll let you go. I know it's running out of time here. But um, one of my heartbeats for this church is not only that we reach out to the world, but that we reach out to our community. And this school uh, supply outreach was was just something that God just one day just really birthed in my heart. I'm like, God, what can we do in our community to tell our community that living word loves them, that Jesus Christ loves them? We have the potential to reach 750 families. There'll be 750 newsletters that'll be going out to families in this very community. They're telling them, hey, we just want to give you school supplies. It's not the pencils. It's not the erasers. It's the love of Christ. This is a tangible way. Just like we gave out shoes in Guatemala, or so- all the pictures around here represents children that are going to get soccer balls and backpacks this coming February from all the money that the kids raised during VBS week. It's an expression of love. It's a tangible thing that says, we care about you and we love you. So maybe some of you didn't um, come ready to give. You can call the office. We'll take your money anytime, anyway, anyhow. We'll be here for you, okay? But um, just pray for this outreach and pray how you can be involved. Um, I think this is a good thing. I think this is a great thing of how we can say to our community, we care about you. We care about you. And so um, I want to keep praying for different ways that God can use us to continue to reach out to Ontario and just let them know, hey, Living Word's here. We're over here. I know we're on the far side of town because that's where all the goofy churches go, right? On the far side of town. We're not allowed to be in town because we're too goofy. But we're over here and uh, been here for a while and we love you and we're not going anywhere and uh, we just want to serve Jesus in this way. Amen. So Lord, just go with us and um, thank you for today. Um, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives each and every day. I thank you for this church, for the generosity of this church. Um, Lord, I just thank you for using people for your glory. Thank you for using our dysfunctional lives and changing us and redeeming us to be vessels that that are now to glorify you. And we're just grateful for that. So we just go in your grace now. And I just pray a blessing over every family, over every marriage, every child here today. And we just give Jesus and Jesus alone the glory. And it's his name we ask these things. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, prayer partners will be up front. Have a great day. God bless you. Amen.